Good morning. <clears throat> oh, hopefully that's not too loud. Now, I know this is probably sacrilege in a lot of churches to remove the pulpit. But um, <clears throat> me personally, uh, I feel like there's, there's something in between us. And when I preach, I really love to be open, be vulnerable, um, and be amongst you. And, and that's a personal preference. Um, so this morning... I must admit, uh, the last couple of weeks working through this passage has not been an easy couple of weeks. Um, I've had many highs and lows, and to be quite honest with you, I've spent many hours, um, literally without lying to you, uh, just confessing before the Lord in tears. Um, Because this passage uh, has done a deep work in my heart, and I pray that it will do a deep work in your heart too this morning. This morning as we look at um, this passage from Philippians, uh, I want us to see four things. These four things that uh, we will be looking at that I've just uh, put as my headings, as you might call it, or points. Instead of a three-point sermon, it's going to be four. Uh, The first is... For the honour of Christ. The second thing that we'll look at is for the benefit of the brethren. And the third will be for the faith of the gospel. And our last point will be for the sake of Christ and finishing well. As we look at our text this morning, I thought it fitting just to share a little bit about myself. Um, one thing my grandfather always said is, uh, if, you, if you're going to preach before people who don't really know you, share a little bit about yourself so they know where you come from. So a little bit about myself is the fact that I'm actually standing here preaching um, is a miracle of God. Uh, I made many stupid decisions in my life, uh, some of which put me in hospital and um, I almost died a couple of times. There was other decisions that got me into a lot of t- trouble with um, police. There was a lot of decisions that I made which hurt members of my family. But there was one thing that I was not aware of in these decisions. And that was the faithful prayers of godly women in my life. So there were three in particular One was my grandmother, the second was my scripture teacher, and the third, a beautiful godly old lady at church who just seen potential. To the point where one of the older women who taught me scripture as an eight-year-old came up to me after the very first sermon I spoke on Psalm 1 and said, that very passage, I have prayed over you since the day I had you in Scripture. And so, as we look at our passage here, Paul says, And yes, I will rejoice. For I know that it is through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance. 
as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that it means fruitful labour for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul is speaking here, when we look at the Greek language, he speaks of his salvation. You see, Paul understood that the only reason that he was where he was and he was doing the things that he was doing was because of the prayers of the saints. And a little bit like those godly women in my life, although it's not exactly the same, I wasn't really honouring Christ with my life or with my body. But it's through the faithful prayers of those saints and believers that Paul knew and understood that whether he was to live or die, he would see his salvation fulfil itself. So if he was to die... It wouldn't matter because he'd be able to see his salvation into completion. And that was his desire to be with Christ. But if he was to live, then his salvation would be lived out in by his actions. For Paul, his greatest fear, and the language used here is a fear, is to be ashamed. Because he bore the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't want anything that he did to bring dishonour to the name of Jesus. So whether he was put to death as he stood before the Roman jury and as he had done before, not knowing that whether this time he was going to be put to death or not, his actions and his life and the way that he conducted himself, he wanted to honour Christ. He didn't want to mess it up. You just read his heart. But he wants to be full of courage. Always. As he always had done. More than anything, he wanted Christ, and as we heard last week, the gospel of Jesus, to be greater than he was. He wanted it to be lifted high. He wanted it to be exalted He wanted it to be so important for the church in Philippi. And he did this through his faithful witness. As he lived out his life, as his fruitful labours. But he also talks about a struggle, an internal struggle. That wanting to, to, to leave this life and to be with Christ because that's so much better. It's far, far better. And we read that uh, in other places where he actually pleads with God because we knew he had physical ailments and many of us face different things and challenges and physical ailments and Paul pleaded with the Lord to take them away three times. But he said, no, my grace is sufficient. So he made it his aim to live a fruitful life, to bear witness to the kingdom and his heart was to see it advance. This battle inside 
led him to the point where he knew that his heart's desire was to see his saviour. But he knew that it needed to produce fruit. And this fruit we see in the second point, where the benefit of the brethren. From verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul's great love for Christ extended to his church. Extended to the church of Jesus, he loved the people so much that he knew that it was more of a benefit for him to stay with them, to see them grow, to see them mature. I was trying to think of an analogy to help understand what he's actually going through and being hard-pressed. Because there's been many times in my life where I've thought, yep, I'm ready. Come on, Jesus, take me home. This, this world's a mess. People are going nuts. And the Lord reminded me of my heart for my children. Becoming a dad, it changes you. It's a benefit for me to stay here and see my children grow, to learn to love and serve Jesus. And this is Paul's heart. It's a heart of a dad who wants to see his kids grow and mature and strengthen themselves into the calling and the purpose that God has on them. As much as I would love to see my saviour Jesus, I have my kids and I have family who are still not yet saved. I have people in my life who are struggling believers and they need encouragement. They need myself, they need you guys to stand alongside them and help them through. This is Paul's fruitful labour. He's wanting them to progress. He's wanting them to grow. He's wanting them not to stay stagnant. And it's not one thing that I can really say about this church because there's so many people who do so much to see the kingdom and the gospel advance. I guess this could be a bit of a reminder for us not to become too complacent when things are going well because the enemy is very quick to try and come in there and trick us a bit. But I also want to speak to some of the young people that have gone out, but some might be still in here. If you think you're too young to do anything, guess what? That's a lie from the devil. If you think that you're too old in your old hat and you've got nothing else to contribute... Guess what? That's a lie from the devil too. We've all got a fruitful labour to do. A fruitful labour. But not just that. He He wants them to have joy. A joy. This joy isn't a joy that the world offers. This isn't a joy that... Uh, we can have by doing things that are pleasurable or um, the joy that we have when we sit in front of TV with a whole heap of chocolate and my wife and I love to do that. 
But this joy is a joy that the devil wants to try and come and steal. He wants to try and come and take it from you. This joy is so much so that when the Philippians see Christ through what Paul is going through and what he is doing for the sake of Christ, they can do nothing but bring glory to Jesus' name. Paul is giving them an example of a service-driven life. And how does this service-driven life fulfill itself? Well, this is where Paul actually starts to give us a bit of instruction. He's been pouring out his heart. He's been pouring out himself. But this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where Paul says, okay, now whether I come or go, whether I'm actually dead or alive, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And this brings us to our third point, for the faith in the gospel. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened of anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So the Greek language here actually uses the word citizenship. So he's speaking to them as a, from a point of view that they understand that they are citizens of Rome, or citizens of Jerusalem, or Israel. Uh, for us, we are citizens of Australia. Uh, but it goes much deeper than that because Paul's actually saying, actually, no, you are not longer citizens of these countries. You are actually now a citizen of something much greater. You are citizens of heaven. You have become citizens of heaven and no longer of this earth. And Paul's showing this by how he bears his name in verse 20. He doesn't want to be ashamed because he knows that he's actually, he himself is bearing Christ. He he says in one of his other letters, for it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And for me, I'm I'm a visual person. So who is visual? Who likes a visual display? So I was thinking about how this can become because it's hard to live this Christian life. It's really quite hard and especially when you're doing it on your own because Paul's saying that you need to be watchful in how you conduct yourself in bearing the name of Christ. Sophia and Jared had a bit of a, if you know my children, anyone? I had a bit of a, a thing during the week. And, um, and I've heard plenty of preachers say you don't use your kids as sermon illustrations, but I thought like, it was a really good one. So I thought I would use it anyway. But the kids had this uh, bit of an incident that went on um, with a family member and they, they really struggled with it um, because their family member, you know, because they thought that they, you know, they, they're a Christian and, 
They, they come claiming Jesus, and uh, yet he decided to make a, a bit of a decision, um, which wasn't a wise one. And Jared and Sophia, well, Sophia in particular, pleaded with him and said, why are you doing this? This is wrong. This is wrong. You can't do this. And in our discussions with them both, you know, we tried to calm them down and said, just, just leave it. It's all right. You know, it's not for you to worry about. But Sophia turned around and said, yeah, but he's an always. He's an always. He's got our name. As a beautiful picture, her worry was the fact that he was going to bring shame on something that she was trying to protect. Because she wants to be godly, display godliness, about someone who had the exact same last name as her, she was stressing out because people are going to think that she's like him. And I think that this is a bit of an illustration for us. That how do we conduct ourselves? How do people see us? Or even if they don't see us, how do we conduct ourselves in private? What does God see? Our manner of life. It's the very being, our essence. It's our citizenship. And when we're citizens, we become a part of that culture in developing culture. And we as brethren and believers, we're called to develop a culture, living one another as citizens in heaven. We're called to put on the new self, as it does in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away any falsehood, let each, of you, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members one to another. And that's where we come into the second part of this passage where he's calling us to be unified, to have unity in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side. So the best thing that I could think of, now who likes sport? So this is where we start to get a bit of interaction. This is where we get a bit of audience participation. So, I'm going to call one of the young Wilkinson lads. Come up front. Don't be afraid. I won't embarrass you much. Come up front. <clears throat> so, I'm doing this deliberately because I really want to get this stuck in our minds of what Paul's saying. So, here's a young fella, strapping young lad, striving for the gospel, but he's standing up here all alone, isn't he? So me, I'm an opponent, I'm a bit of a bully, I can come up here and push him around and give him a hard time. So for me, I love rugby. Who watched the Rugby World Cup? Probably only me. Righto. I need some other people up here. So if you're not too scared, stand up, come up. I need some help. We need some people come up here. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. Stand up. Stand up. 
<clears throat> couple more. Have we got a couple more? Righto. A couple of ladies, a couple of kids. All right. So we, we do need some more. I'll, I'll handpick you if you don't volunteer. <laughs> All right. That's better. <clears throat> okay, so we need three at the front. Three at the front. And then another two in behind. And then one behind there. And then one either side. <clears throat> All right. One either side, standing in. H- how athletic do you feel? <laughs> do you reckon you can link up? Righto. One and two. So number two, come in, the head's in between. Yep. <clears throat> All right. You can... Okay. <laughs> come down in here. So I want you to get this picture. Because... Because when, when you watch the Rugby World Cup and when you watch a pack or a team form a scrum and you've got to think they've got their back line there to support them, they are striving as one, linked together with one purpose, with one goal and one mind to do one thing and that is to win. So this is Paul's real heart here. So take a good look. That's right, she's involved as well. (laughs) Because as believers, as brethren, okay, this is the one thing you can relax now. (laughs) When a scrum packs up, the thing that it's measured by is its weight. And the very thing that we have as brethren, as we link together, is the weight of Jesus Christ, his power that reigns in us. And that's Paul's heart here. He wants us to grab that. And as we connect together as one body of believers, too many times I've sat in churches and people are too willing to throw their brother or sister under the bus. What do people see when they look in at us? Paul's saying here, I want them to see this. I want to see a scrum packed down, bearing my name with the strength and power that I have pushing it. That's how Rugby World Cups won. That's how the South Africans won. That's how they beat us. Because they had, they had a goal and a purpose in mind and they stood together as one because they wanted not only to see their nation unified, but they wanted their team to be unified. And Paul's calling us as believers to pack together, to be unified, striving forward for the advancement of the gospel. Thank you. <laughs> And why is this so important? It's so that we can overcome what people think. It's so that we can overcome our opponents. And sometimes our opponents aren't necessarily what we think they are. It might not be your boss at work or it might not be the co-worker who frustrates the hell out of you. But it can be things or people or anything that works against us from bearing the name of Jesus and seeing his gospel advance. 
That's the purpose of us being here. That was what Paul's drive and heart was when he knew that it doesn't matter if I die, it doesn't matter if I live, the most important thing is that whether I do live or die is that the gospel is preached, that Christ is honoured. And this is a sign. It's a sign to those outside here, outside these walls. It's a sign for unbelievers. And we look at that and read that language, destruction. But the reality of it is the the Greek language speaks of they see that in the church and they are very aware that they do not have salvation. They are very aware. And when they come against a body of believers who stand firm like a rugby pack... They know that they no longer have the power and they are very aware that they need Jesus. They need it. But this strength and banding together and working together and striving together and growing together gives a joy, an overflowing joy and assurance of our salvation that comes from God. It gives us the strength. And what does it give us strength for? What is the very thing that we need to have each other strive against for? <clears throat> and it's in our last point where Paul actually speaks and the language gives of having a privilege. So for the sake of Christ and finishing well. It's in our last two verses. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now, I don't know about you, but I really wanted to leave this out this morning. I don't like talking about suffering. It's my least favourite thing. It's something that I, I don't like. I don't like the suffering. I don't like standing and watching my loved ones die of cancer. I never liked going through watching as I nearly lost both my kids on two different occasions. I never liked spending three months in and out of hospital with doctors not knowing what was wrong with me. None of us like suffering. And it's a hard thing to accept that it's actually a privilege. It's probably been one of the hardest things I've had to face this week. I am actually privileged, not only to know who Jesus is and the fact that he's made himself revealed to me and that I can believe but that I can actually partake in his suffering. And Paul speaks of it being a cost. So it's very different for us, this day and age, to what Paul went through. But I thought I'd share, because he does share a little bit, of what he went through in Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and starting at verse 23, if you want to turn there. 
He says this. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labours, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and in hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, cold and exposed, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches who is weak. And I am not weak. Who is made fall? I am not indignant. Many struggles and pressures he faced. We don't face the same ones. I know that. And I know that our pains are different. And I don't want to diminish anybody's suffering at all because each one of us have our own struggles but the purpose of our struggles and what Paul is saying is the purpose in that is to the glory of Jesus Christ how do we respond in our suffering because he comes from being our manner of life so in our manner of life do we suffer well? Do we suffer bearing the name of Jesus and seeing him glorified? Because it says that we suffer for the sake of Christ, for his sake. I got left this week asking myself some questions, actually. As I sat there and pondered, what have I suffered? On the scheme of things, not much. But there's things that perhaps that I'm holding on to that prevent me from actually gaining in suffering or even seeing the gospel advance. I found myself asking, how important is the gospel? Actually, how important is it to me? How much does Christ really mean What am I willing to lose? Am I willing? What am I willing to give up? Am I willing to give up social status? Am I willing to give up Facebook and Instagram and people's likes and people's kudos for the sake of seeing perhaps even one person saved? Am I willing to lose it all? even to the point of death? These are the questions that I asked myself this week. As I pondered my life, how I live, the way I conduct myself, the way I raise my children, 
Am I doing it all for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Jesus Christ and finishing well? A hymn came to me as I was asking myself these questions. And the chorus bit goes like this. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. So as we look back, our lives have to honour Christ. If that means on our deathbed we're honouring him still, is our heart and our love for each other, is our drive for the benefit of the brethren? Will we band together to see the gospel, our faith and the gospel sent out into this city, but not just this city. We should have a bigger vision. We want to see the gospel advance right through the Riverina. And for us, may we, for the sake of Christ, find joy, and I know that's hard, in our suffering, but finish well. Finish well for the sake of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. And Lord, oftentimes it pierces right to the marrow. And Lord, it opens up wounds or it heals wounds. And so Father, this morning as we are challenged and encouraged, Lord, may we be faithful servants to you bearing your name for the sake of the gospel, encouraging one another, Lord, spurring one another on, expanding together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.